Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. All right, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. And today we have with us, as part of our focus on females in dentistry, uh, you know, I feel really weird saying that, like that, like I'm being sexist of some sort by uh, by doing that. But uh, uh, Dr. Dana Blaylock uh, from Daniel Island, which is just outside of Charleston, it must be starting to get humid down there now. Oh yes, very much so. Um, you get out of an air conditioning car, and immediately your glasses will fog up. But yeah. it's it's summer in Charleston. What can we say? Well, it's not even real summer yet. That's true. You know, the other day I was thinking to myself, I said, you know, I think I spend three to five minutes breathing fresh air every day. And the rest is air conditioned? Yeah. Like, you know, I I leave my house. I don't even go outside to get in my car because it's in the garage. I (laughs) I walk from my parking spot at the office to the office. And then I'm in the office until five, six o'clock. I typically don't leave for lunch. Yeah. And then I'll walk from the office back to the car and then I pulled I, into the garage and I came home. I know. I always say I'm a delicate flower because I'm not used to being outside. I'm, you know, that's, I mean, it's a good thing that we work inside, but, uh, the heat definitely does get to me. I get it, man. Totally. Yeah. So I don't do yard work either. Oh, you're, you're like me. You no. don't do manual labor. Oh no, no. <laughs> so I, I finally found an American who's like me. All the Americans I've met, they like doing yard work and stuff for some reason. Yeah, not me. Not me. That's not my thing. Well, Dana, who who is Dana Blaylock? I mean, tell me, give me a story a little bit. Give our listeners your story in a few minutes. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, you and I went to the same dental school. I went to University of Missouri, Kansas City. You graduated a few years after me, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Um, The... I did the four years of college and four years of dental school. The six-year program was just starting after I I got in there, I believe. And then when I graduated from dental school, I decided I would join the Navy. And that's how I got to Charleston, South Carolina. I spent eight years in the Navy, all in Charleston, different duty stations. But it was a great experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But for me to stay with the Navy, it would have required going with the Marines or going overseas. And in the meantime, I met my Charleston born and raised husband. And so it made sense for us to stay here in town. So I got out and then I've been in private practice ever since. 
Did you buy uh, your practice, build your practice? I joined a partnership and it was wonderful for 16 years. And then, as I said, I had a midlife crisis and I decided I wanted my own practice. So seven years ago, I bought a practice from a dentist that was needing to sell his very nice practice on Daniel Island. And then that's where I've been for the last seven years. And I'm enjoying it. It's a nice, tight-knit community. And Do you live there as well? I do not. I live about 35 minutes away. Well, it used to be minutes, uh, about 26 miles away. So, it, you know, ideally it's not a bad drive and it gives me time to decompress and sometimes more time than I desire. <laughs> so let's, uh, let, I thought only men had midlife crisis. I, yeah, I think it would have been cheaper had I bought a sports car, but, <laughs> you know, the practice works. <laughs> no, but so if you don't mind me asking, uh, and uh, I'm going to ask whether you like it or not, but uh, sure. no, I'm not trying to be like that. Um so you were in a partnership that was successful. It was a it was a positive partnership. It was. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about dentistry, about business, about myself. And so we had a partner. I had a we had a younger associate and a periodontist. So three dentists plus a periodontist. Yes, oh, wow. and um, three or four hygienists and thirteen or so other employees. And it just the economy changed, as we all know, or, you know, around 2009 and 2008. And I just felt that it was getting harder and harder for the partnership for the two of us to really fit together. And, and at that point, I was just wanting to just do things on my own and not have to, you know, decide, well, is, is my partner going to be okay with it? And, so we parted ways, as I said. It's you know it, it was it was difficult, but we made it through. And um, was it tough I'm, financially to part ways? Oh yeah, it it was. I um, when I was starting the new practice, I worked for the wife of the dentist that was selling it, and it was also it was for financial reasons, and so I. Worked for about three or four months and didn't get paid at all. So that was kind of hard, but I knew that I wanted to keep the practice going so I would have something worth buying. Okay. And then just kind of getting everybody back in the groove of coming back in. So it, it was a slow start, but it wasn't terrible. And, you know, I never starved. I paid my bills and just kept on with faith and, um, you know, husband who supports you know, supported the decision. So, you know, it definitely wasn't easy. And was that, was uh, that a combined decision that you both made together? Um, no, it was more my decision. And when I would talk about my concerns about my partnership, he was just supportive of what I would decide. He is not impulsive. And so I have learned to <laughs> think decisions through. And that's one good thing I, I have learned. In other words, I didn't just make a spur of the moment decision to leave. And, you know, I did a lot of research and think I, I, I did well with what I did. Looking back, would you have done this? Uh, would, what would, looking back, would you have done it? Would you have done it very differently or would you have done it the same way? Or, you know, retrospectively, eight, nine years, I mean, what has it taught you? Yeah. Well, I probably would have done it a little bit sooner, but 
having the partner and the associate was very good during that stage of my life. My son was, well, we adopted my son and he grew up, well, he, you know, like 15 years. So during that time, if he was sick or he needed me or I wanted to go on a field trip, it was much easier to take a day off. Where if that was now, when I was the only dentist there to maybe check hygiene or see new patients, it would have been much harder. So during those first 16 years of my practice out of the Navy, it was a perfect fit for me. And now going at it on my own, it's funny, I've changed my techniques, I've changed my materials, I've changed so much since I was in the practice because I'm I think it's important to keep growing and not just get stagnant. So okay. I'm glad I did it. Okay, so you you're happy you did it and at the end of the day you're only re- I don't want to use the word regret, but you're only looking back as you wish you had done it a little bit sooner. Yes. And you're happy with the practice that you bought? Yes, very much okay. so. Okay. All right, that's fair enough. So, yeah. So talk talk to us about your practice. I mean, tell me what what is your practice? I mean, are you a cosmetic only practice? Are you a family practice? Do you take insurance, not take insurance? Well, I would say my tagline would be I'm a general and cosmetic dentist. I see families, but I see very few children. I take insurance. I am in network for Delta PPO because we have several big employers in our area that are Delta PPO. And at the time, again, starting the practice up seven years ago, I thought, okay, that's a wise thing to do. And it still, as I say, continues to be a thorn in my side because I see <laughs> I see what they uh, reimburse for some of my major services. But anyway, so Delta PPO and Blue Cross, and that's it. The rest, we file insurance, but the customers or the patients – you know, we'll, we'll pay what their insurance does not cover. So you accept assignment? Yes, okay. we do. We have, we use EagleSoft, so it's very good at figuring out what their portions are. So I feel like our, our patients definitely have an idea of what's going on before we do treatment. Okay. That's fair. That's, that's uh, yeah. pretty good. So <clears throat> would you say that you've ever, had thoughts about adding insurances or getting more network or dropping networks? I mean, how have you Um, thought about those things? Yeah, never adding. Probably every six months I think about dropping the PPO part of Delta and going to Premier. Do they allow you to do that now? Yes, you can do that. But, you know, I – it's one of those things, you know, how many people are going to are going to stick around. And I've gotten used to treating some of these patients. They're great patients. And I don't want to lose them because they can't afford or they think they can't afford the treatment that they need because their insurance is is only going to pay about half of, of what the fees are. So it's, it's one of those decisions I try to hash through every every so often. And then I put it aside and think I'll look at it again. But I figure as long as I'm paying the bills and everybody's happy, then we'll keep on doing what we're doing. All right. So what are the procedures you enjoy doing in your practice? Well, my, I would say my new thing that I've been into, well, it's not, it's not that new is the area of sleep. Right. 
And about five years ago, I took the course with Dr. David Singh for the DNA appliance. And that really started sparking my interest. But even before then, at some of our LVI courses, they were starting to talk about how the airway is everything. And it was just starting to fall into place, how the airway is important with your occlusion and the neuromuscular treatments. So when I heard about Dr. Singh's course, I I thought, all right, I've got to take this and find out what he's saying. And, and then that's it's Dr. just David Singh. Yes. Okay. Just just so our show editor can put the notes in for those. It's Dr. David yes. Singh with the DNA appliance. Yes, okay. and his company was uh, Bio Modeling, but now it's changed. I think it's called Vivos V I V O S. Okay. And then I was doing some of those, and then I saw an article, and I reached out. I, I guess I Facebook stalked Dr. Aaron Elliott, oh, yeah. and that's that's how, that's I, how I, yeah, that's how I ended up. I or she called me back, and we had a long chat one evening, and she said, "Well, I'm going to be in Raleigh in two weeks. You want to come up?" So, so I brought my whole team, and we went to your course at the uh, 3D Dentist how was site. That? It was great. I, you know, I felt like I had a lot of the good science, but I still had all these questions. All right, now how do I how do I do this in my practice more than what I was doing? And the first thing I decided I would do is go ahead and do the medical billing for the patient instead of just giving them the paperwork and having them mm-hmm. file it themselves. What, 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 what difference did you see from that? I I just found that patients are much more accepting. Um, it, it it was so frustrating. They were all interested in the appliance. Until and, they found out it was three grand. Right. And they'd say, well, does my insurance cover it? And then we would have to say, well, it's fee for service and we'll, we'll give you the information. And nobody was interested in doing it. So I am seeing much, much more interest now. We're getting a lot of cases going and people are much more accepting of it now that we can build their medical. So and, you would say that it's made a tremendous <clears throat> difference yes. in your practice? Yes. Okay. Because patients are not used to having to file their medical insurance. I know I'm not. It's it's a pain in the butt for us as it is. Can you imagine what it's like for a patient? Yeah. And I mean, I like for my, if I go to a physician, I want them to file my medical insurance. So I figure, you know, it's, if that's one thing I can provide that I might as well. And then the next step I took was to apply to become DME certified for Medicare. And that's still in the process. I started that in January and we're getting pretty close. But by doing that, I can also treat patients who have Medicare and who very much need the services of sleep apnea. And is that, is that Medicare probably is a little bit bigger in your area? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. 
We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Well, yes, probably because of it seems like the age age of the patient is getting closer to the 40, 50, 60 age instead of the 30, 40, 50, I guess. You're in a Maybe more so area. Here. Have you considered taking TRICARE? We are working on our TRICARE people. We have gotten a couple referrals from the um, TRICARE people and have a good working rela- relationship with them and one of the sleep physicians who works with them. So yeah, you know, I think they're being re- they're uh, administered by HealthNet here in the South, and uh, their reimbursement is pretty good. We we're getting about uh, I want to say somewhere anywhere between twenty two and twenty five hundred bucks uh, for an appliance through TRICARE. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds right. So we've been very pleased with being in network with Tricare. So, uh, sorry, not in network, being working with Tricare. So we're yeah. considering actually uh, becoming a DME provider for Tricare, or, or even totally in network with Tricare uh, yeah. for our sleep. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. I know that the other place they can refer is the Medical University of South Carolina, which is just—I mean, it's a great facility, but it's a big, huge hospital conglomerate. And the people at, at the uh, base here like dealing with us because we're so much easier than right. well, the, well, I mean, the big again, hospital. There's customer service. There's all of those things that don't necessarily always happen in a large uh, hospital environment. Hey, I want to step back a second to this DNA appliance. Tell me something. Yes. I, I don't know much about it. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, Dr. David Singh has uh, developed this program. It's, he has a book called Epigenetic Orthodontics. But basically, the DNA appliance, it stands for day-nighttime appliance, but there are little springs that will help the body's own DNA create this bone expansion and bone growth. And so, in essence, it's sort of like a palatal expander. Okay. But by doing that, if you think that the you know, if the patient has a vaulted palate, by expanding it, it lowers the floor of the nasal right. area. The nasopharynx area. Okay. Right. And so you may take a patient that couldn't breathe through their nose. And just by using this appliance, they come in and they say, oh, I can breathe so much better. And you can start to see that their asymmetry starts to even out. And by doing that, it, it improves the airway. And then by expanding it. And then there's also a second component that has the wings on it, like all the other appliances to prevent the lower jaw from falling back. So like so a dorsal fin type of deal. Right. <clears throat> and okay. so it's very good for patients with apnea. It, it has, it's good for apnea and it's also good for TMJ. I've, I've 
placed several patients in there who have some TMJ problems and were able to get the pressure off the joints. And then they also can, especially the women, can see some cosmetic changes because of the... So they can avoid the midlife crisis that you had? Perhaps, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It won't keep them from buying a dental practice, though. Well, unless they're licensed. I mean, otherwise they Uh they have no reason to. That's right. But it's 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 a great appliance. I are you still I using use it a lot? It. I use it on specific cases. Okay, and if you don't mind for the audience, I mean, how do you decide what specific? What do you mean by specific? I mean, I don't want the whole like like the lecture part of it, right? Yeah, just no. kind of the the overview of it. If a patient comes in and they have a real narrow narrow vaulted palate, okay, and real narrow noses, and their teeth are crowded and they're interested in treatment. Or, so a DNA appliance would be great for them because not only can you treat their sleep apnea, but you can start to correct it by expanding the palate and giving them a, a patent airway. Are you, are you putting this patient through orthodontics essentially in a way? Basically, yes. So are you but end up using brackets, aligners, or anything? I go- don't. And that's my, I would say that's my shortcoming. I am finishing one lady up. We put her into, I use Clear Correct okay. instead of Invisalign right now. But she's just getting great results. Okay. Uh, we got her TMJ comfortable and she's not clicking and popping and locking. And so then she said, well, hey, you know, what can we do about my crooked teeth? Because we weren't addressing that. And so, you know, I'm finishing her up with that. Okay. With so aligners. generally speaking, if you put somebody into a DNA appliance, do you kind of have to proceed with orthodontics? I wouldn't say you have to, but you certainly can. I mean, you can just leave them with with moderate ex- expansion, and it's not going to change their teeth significantly. Oh, I got you. So it doesn't necessarily change their bite. Correct. Okay. But you can you can change it and develop it by adjusting the acrylic and allowing teeth to super erupt. I just have not done cases like that. When you tell you're treating TMJ, are you doing it neuromuscularly? I do. I'll use the tint unit and get them relaxed and do a neuromuscular type orthotic. Or I'll do a wet swallow bite and, again, bring them down and forward. And that's that's the beauty of what we're doing with our sleep apnea patients. They're both most comfortable when their jaw is, as I say, down and forward. So you can, I would say, treat your TMJ patients with a sleep appliance and it will serve the two purposes. It will um, relieve the pressure in the joint and help help them breathe better and sleep better. Interesting. So are most of your sleep cases and are you do, doing a TENS bite or a swallow bite for them? No, I'm, no. Most of my sleep cases, I'm doing a George Gage. Okay. All right. And then just your TMD patients, you're going to be using the uh, traditional neuromuscular protocol. Yeah. Or, you know, again, it depends on how how their symptoms are or what their symptoms are. I got you. Okay. All right. And so what procedures do you not like doing in your practice? I do not like doing endodontics. I'm one of those. I refer all my endo out and my endodontist loves me because... He gets wonderful cases from me all the time, <laughs> but it's just one of those things. Um, since I got out of probably out of the Navy, I just said, okay, I'm not going to do endo. And so I don't, 
And I know that I know that's something that I should have done years ago, but I get great results with my endodontist. And I, if a patient, if they have a problem, which is rare, then I know that he did the best he could. And then we know what we need to do next for the patient. Are you open to learning endo? No. <laughs> I know. I listen to your podcast. No, no, like, it's okay. I, it's not, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, I'm always thinking about growth and the next step and things like that. Right. Uh, so what, what about, what about, what about bringing in an endodontist to your practice to do root canals for you so that you can keep some of that revenue in the practice? I think that would be a viable option. I know we have one in town that works one or two days a month, perhaps at another office. And that is definitely an option. I talked with you about an associate. I had an associate for about four weeks. Yeah, we've talked. You had some of my experiences. Yeah, and she she was going to do endo, and I thought, okay, great. You know, all ready to buy all the equipment that she needed. And luckily, I was able to send it back when I realized that she needed to learn how to do some modern dentistry first. But that would have been ideal to have that situation. And and I'll look for it in the future. As I said, I just needed to get things taken care of after, um, I, I guess, correcting some of the things that had gone on for that no. month. No, I get it. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as I look at the next steps of my practice, uh, one of the things I'm looking at is at some point I can't learn everything, nor can I really, let's say I can learn everything. I can't actually physically want to do everything. Um, and I think that's kind of where you're at to a certain degree. Right. And, but what I, what, you know, how I would re-modify the question uh, and for you and for everybody <laughs> else is, are you will not that you, are you willing to learn endodontics? Are you willing to consider adding endodontics to your practice? And see, those are two completely different questions. Right. One is asking if you want to do it. And the other question is asking if you are willing to have somebody else do it in your practice. Right. And what I heard from you is the answer is yes. Yes. It would be great. Especially when I, if I want to sit down and do the numbers as to what I refer out. Yeah. You know, in a typical scenario, if you looked at what you referred out, um, there are more and more companies coming out there that will actually uh, and or um, specialists that actually do traveling specialty. Uh, they typically do like a 50-50 split. And, yeah. um, and what happens is you get to keep 50% of that revenue. And that person is, uh, you know, to a certain degree working while you're working. So it's truly additional revenue to your practice. Uh, or they're coming in on days that you're not there. Uh, so it allows you to have additional revenue. And... You know, most specialists don't run a um, run more run a fifty percent or more overhead. So this right. way, they can have the same income, uh, service their customers very well, and make the same amount, if not more, uh, than they do in their practice. So, uh, and then your patients win because they don't have to go anywhere else. So I think right. I think I think in dentistry we're going to see more and more of that as we move forward. I think um, certainly DSOs are capitalizing on on it already entrepreneurial dentists will cap capitalize on it. And then I think certainly um, uh, other dentists uh, will slowly uh, come on board with that model as well. So I, I think we'll see more and more of that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training. 
Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all next fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Well, I think it makes perfect sense to do it that way. Just like you said, the, the overhead, because, you know, I'd be glad to take 50% of what I produce. No, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> all day and just, long. And go to somebody else's office and have everything set up for you. And all you got to do is come in, do the dentistry and leave. You know, that, that'd be a pretty good deal. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So, again, we're talking with Dr. Daniel Blaylock uh, in Daniel Island, South Carolina. And uh, so, let's talk about some hurdles. What hurdles? have you faced since you bought this new practice and and how are you overcoming them or how have you overcome them? Some of the hurdles um, is wanting, you know, I want to do uh, complex, complete cases. I want to talk with the patients about their health. That can be perio, that can be sleep apnea, the health of their dentition. You know, I'm back to seeing all these old amalgams with cracks around them. And so I still feel like the first contact that the patients may have would be with the hygiene department or with me, and we're just not getting that education out to the patient. I, you know, we talk about them, but I always say, I think unless you're talking with a patient sitting up and spending that time, they're either not understanding what you're saying or they're not interested So it's still patient education, I think, is one of the biggest hurdles, getting patients on board with a treatment that they need or even that they want. That would be my first hurdle. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, so, you know, and and my my goal isn't to attack you or any of those things. It's It's just to make us think, you know. And so my question is, is, you know, I don't think of it as patient education, uh, you know, I think one of the most important things I learned uh, was uh, understanding the patient's fit and readiness to hear what we have to say. And sometimes I think one of the things that, that we and hygienists uh, often or our team members, we lose sight of understanding the patient's scenario. You know, what's going right. on in their life. Imagine if I had come to you eight years ago 
and started talking to you about all these other things that are going on in your mouth. And you're in the midlife crisis. You're trying to exit <laughs> one partnership, buy another practice. And here I am unknowingly talking to you about, you know, all these different things that you need and that you want to have done, but you know, it's not really the right time in your life for some of those things. And I think sometimes we forget that with patients. And that, that to me is about understanding the patient's fit and readiness, you know, where the, where they're at in the process and understanding that we can plant seeds uh, right. because, you know, th those are things that, that grow over time and at some point they produce a harvest. And I think those are one of the things that, um, that I think most practices, mine included, uh, we struggle at. We struggle at uh, that on a daily basis. Uh, so... I agree because many times we know or we think we know what they need, but they we need to ask permission. And well, not in not me, I but ask them permission if or ask them if they want to hear what can be done in their mouth, because there may be some people who don't want to hear anything. And then those are the ones I think we need to if there's something obvious, we need to just inform them but not make them feel like they're pressured to do anything. But yet each time know that we care about their health, about what may happen in their mouth, but we need to see what they want. And I'm, I would say that's a deficit of mine to, to find out exactly what they want. Cause I look in there and I say, Oh, they have this, they you have see this. What, they... You see what you want to see. Right. Right. You see what you're trained to see. And That's also, right. we have to understand what the patient's ready and wants to hear. You know, sometimes people aren't aware uh, even that they have a condition. You know, one of those most common things that I see is people aren't even aware that they have gum disease. You know, and oh, yeah. here, here, here our hygienist is talking to them about the importance of fixing it, but the patient's not even aware and doesn't even care that they have this because there's no pain associated with that. Right. You know, the other thing I would ask uh, of you and your team is, are we taking photographs as part of our overall new patient process? We are, and we take interall photos, but I've been wanting to switch to the digital, okay. the, the like you were mentioning. Like in several. Yes. Okay. I have the Canon, the 10D that I take for all mine, but that's my mission right now. I'm trying to research and find what are the hygiene cameras that you mentioned in, in your podcast because yeah. to me it makes so much sense yeah. to get us away from single tooth dentistry but full full mouth dentistry and let the patient see their whole mouth instead of just one ugly tooth or in their mind or their words one ugly tooth enlarged on a computer screen yes so i'm still re researching so, that let, let's help you with that okay so so um there are a couple of things uh uh, if you want a true dental camera and don't mind paying the two three thousand dollars for a dental camera, uh, one of the best uh, hygiene cameras is the dental uh, Shofu camera. The Shofu makes this eye special or something like that. Um, certainly, it's not inexpensive, but it is like a point and shoot, but it has a nice flash and everything on it. It makes it uh, uh, very easy to take pictures, but it does come at a price. Uh, so somewhere, I don't know the exact price, but somewhere in the two, three thousand uh, dollar ballpark. Okay. Next uh, would be a Photomed makes a camera, a point and shoot type camera. I'm looking it up right now for the can. They make a point and shoot close up attachment for the, uh, I think it's a Canon G16 or something like that. And something like that is going to be 
like a thousand dollars, let's call it. Okay. And I don't know if it's better or worse than the Shofu camera, but it's something, you know, something along that lines. And those are a much more accessible photographs for a hygienist. They may not have the depth of field that we're used to as dentists for some of our publications and things like that. Uh, but certainly from a hygiene perspective, those cameras are fantastic. You know, I've trained my hygienist uh, to use DSLRs, uh, but I will not lie to you and say that they are typically resistant at the beginning because of the size and weight of them. Uh, yeah. But uh, there, you know, the, but but we've gotten through that, uh, probably by brute force and sheer sheer willpower on my end and their end. Uh, but I would say that um, if you don't mind spending the two, three grand, the Shofu one is great. It's like, I don't know, it's like medically encapsulated. You can wipe it down and stuff. Uh, secondarily, oh. uh, Photomed makes a close-up attachment for the G Canon G16, which all together run you about a uh, uh, about a thousand bucks or so. For that. And you know what else is great? An iPhone. I'm yeah. trying to find a camera that will zoom like an iPhone because yeah. I've taken some great intraoral photos yeah. or or digital, but no one wants to have their iPhone in the yeah. in the operatory. Well, you know, uh, you're right. Every one of my team members have that. Uh, there's a thing called an Olo clip, O L L O clip, uh, that you can put onto your iPhone that allows oh, yeah. it, that allows it to turns it into uh, a little bit more of a uh, macro lens. So you can get a little bit closer with it. Uh, and something like that's like 60, 70 bucks to add that on to your iPhone. So, you know, those options, yeah. things like that exist as well. I have not used the Olo clip, so I'm not uh, saying that from any level of experience. Right. Uh, but, uh, but things like that do exist to allow you to utilize an iPhone for a, um, as a camera <laughs> as well. <laughs> I just have to laugh when I see some pictures that we'll take with our iPhone. I think, you know, this is almost as good as my, my 10D, my, my oh, big camera a, with the light depth of field. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but it, it's very, very nice, you know, very nice, but don't, don't overthink it, Dana. I'm, I'm telling you, um, get, just get the, get a camera, even if it's a sucky camera, just get it and start using it because something is better than nothing. And I will tell you, and my team will tell you, uh, that nothing has made a difference in our practice uh, like digital photography. I always joke that it's the uh, number one technology in our practice, uh, even though it's the least expensive technology yeah, that, yeah. We, that we have. Well, I, I know I have my camera and it's just trying to find one that I feel would be hygiene proof. And so that's that's my... That's my next step. I even called your office. I think I talked with one of your hygienists. <laughs> I said, okay, what is it? So I think she did mention the G16. So Yeah, so we're not using that, but that's a great camera. And uh, so, you know, so again, all these options do exist. So um, yeah, know, good. I, I don't want you to overthink it, okay? Just, okay? just get a camera and make it happen, okay? So, all right. Uh, so what would you say, what areas of your practice need more attention than others? I would definitely say my hygiene department. Okay. Um, I I don't know what ha happens to hygienists. It seems like after they get into a certain routine, then they stop talking about perio. They'll they'll do a as we say a bloody prophy, and then they'll say, "Well, they really need to floss more. They have a lot of homework, and they have four and five millimeter pockets, and they're bleeding." And to me, it's clearly a perio patient. 
And I just wonder why the hygienist stopped converting patients to perio. And so I feel like I'm always trying to work on my hygienist to get them on board and, you know, try new things. I, we started the profitable hygiene program with um, Rachel Wall and we just weren't, it, it wasn't anything with her program. It was just that we were not getting where we needed to go. So we need to kind of back up and do some kind of boot camp that they have or any other program. So I would say my hygiene department is probably my biggest area that needs work. Well, you know, you're not, you're not any different than any other practice, you know, and so one, you know, you know how I overcame that issue? Uh, we, we, our practice stinks at doing perio treatment. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. And, um, and I'm okay with that now. Um, I, I've gotten okay with that because ultimately it's not that my patients aren't getting treated. They're just not getting coded for what they're getting treated for. Right. Does, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, yes. So if we had the issue where we were doing true profies on perio patients, then I would have a problem with that. But my my patients are getting the proper treatment; they're just getting it for very cheap or free, and right. um, and I, I've I've become semi okay with that because for me, uh, having my hygienist folk more focused on creating restorative dentistry, uh, creating awareness for guards and sleep apnea and orthodontics and some of those more ancillary services that selfishly are are more um, that that I like more. Um, makes me be okay with them being uncomfortable. It's amazing to me. My, my my hygienists are so comfortable telling a patient that they have they may have sleep apnea and that we should consider looking into that therapy and having that more difficult conversation versus telling somebody that they've seen for two three years that they suddenly have gum disease and need more than a just base just a basic profi. It, it's so counterintuitive to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear you because it's something new or it's something that they don't have to treat. So perhaps it makes them feel better to refer them to the dentist instead of refer them to themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I wish we, I wish we knew, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is there. So, so that's good. So I, I'm, you know, your, 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 your issues are no different, uh, than anybody else. You know, what, what, so what, what would be some advice you would give to somebody uh, that would make them successful? Because, listen, you've been in dentistry, what, 25 years now? Mm, 32. Thir- 32 years. I so, was 10 when I graduated from dental school. That, that, old? You were that old? Yeah. When you, graduated? <laughs> um, you know, because you don't get in dentistry and make it for 32 years and love what you do and enjoy it without being successful. So what, what advice would you give to somebody out there? What, what one or two pieces of advice would you give them? Oh, well, I think my thing has always been treat the patient the way you would want to be treated. Um, sometimes you have to do what they want or, you know, they come in for a quick adjustment. You don't charge them an office visit. You don't nickel and dime the patient to death, but yet you're fair. I, I mean, to me, I just always try to be fair. If I have to think about something and have heartache and be disgruntled over something, it's not worth it. I would much rather do, it may not be what I want, but do what the patient wants. And I think patients respect and they know that we care about them. And so, I mean, mean, the main thing is just treat the patient the way you would want to be treated. 
I pride myself in being gentle and doing the very best dentistry I can. You know, I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect, but I want to do the right thing. And I would definitely say stay current. I take as much continuing education as I can. So what and does that mean to you, stay current? How much continuing education do you take? Well, right now, most of the focus is with uh, dental sleep medicine. Okay. I took several courses at LVI. I've taken some classes at Arrowhead, uh, the Dick Barnes group. I uh, We have groups in town where we have um, quarterly implant seminars, study clubs, and I've learned a lot from some great clinicians there. But I didn't just stop with what I learned in dental school. And when I mentioned some problems with an associate, I was surprised that someone eight years out of eight or 10 years out of dental school was still doing things the way that I did back at UMKC 32 years ago, because times have changed and our materials have changed and our techniques have changed, our, our preps. And it was just, quite frankly. Yeah. And thank heavens. Um, yeah. We don't out, we don't alcohol off our hand pieces anymore the way they used to in the old days. Oh, you don't? No, I oh, don't. Oh, dude, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I just wipe it off with my sleeve. But <laughs> no, I mean, I'm so thrilled with all the changes in dentistry, and that's why I want to keep learning more. I'm still on the fence of going back to the CAD CAM or the SARIC. I did that at my other office, and... As I said, I had a love-hate relationship with it, but I know things have changed. The technology has improved even in the last seven, eight years. You know, I I have a saying on that. I have a saying that, um, you know, technologies are probably right for every practice, but not every practice is right for certain technologies. And, um, you know, it has to fit your patient base. It has to fit your philosophy and your comfort level. And it has to fit a goal for you, you know, and... And uh, so don't don't beat yourself up about that. I mean, biased as I am, I want to see everybody doing yeah. digital dentistry, but I don't I don't want to see you struggle and I don't want to see anybody struggle and fail with it. I prefer yeah. for them to uh, at least be open minded about it, but to say you know what, it, it's not right. There's not right, the right thing for me. Uh, I, I'm okay with that for people. Well, ideally, I think if my goal in the next couple of years is to be able to, as you say, stop doing fillings yeah. and and doing more of sleep dentistry. And I, I kind of view that as a way that I can retire or step back from or restorative dentistry. Nobody wants Semi-retire, to, right. Very few people want to really retire. What they, what they really want to do is have their cake and eat it too. Yes. So. Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> well, listen, the, 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 the goal is to create a scenario where that's a possibility. Right. And, and so it, it makes me think, well, I'm not ready to stop learning. And I, I still am, I'm still wanting to get the CBCT and use that for airway analysis and excellent diagnostics and, and I want to get a light walker, the laser, and, but, you know, so I'm not ready to stop. But here's I'm the just beauty ready of what you just said to me, is you built a wonderful practice, a wonderful career, doing wonderful dentistry, and you're showing and saying that you can do all of that without technology. And and that's awesome. I, I think, I per, as technologically as I am and as biased as I am towards technology, I still love hearing from people 
that you can be modern and advanced. You can do more dentistry of the dentistry you enjoy doing, but you don't have to have everything to be able to do it. Well, that's true. I still use impression material. <laughs> oh, shame on you. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Heaven forbid you make people gag all day long. That's right. Well, we take, we use good materials. We don't have all the goop in their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's minimal. That's awesome. So um, what would be an example of some technology, software, something small, not like a big capital technology that you use in your practice that's made life easier? Well, I've used digital x-rays for, oh, gee, probably 25 years. And I, I can't imagine that there are still people not using digital x-rays because it's such a game changer. Um, We're an EagleSoft office, and just recently we added the InLive. Okay, how's that been working Check-in process is great. Um, Some patients really like it. Um, You can definitely tell those that are not comfortable with an iPad. And so we've just um, suggested that all of the team members kind of keep an eye on their patient and see if it looks like they're struggling. Don't ask them if they need help. Just bring them on back to your room and spend some time and, and help them. Because I think patients might be embarrassed to say, oh, no, I don't know how to use an iPad. Because something that we think is is something that everybody can do, there are certain members of the population who can't use an iPad. But besides that, I think it's very thorough. It's nice because you can customize some of the questions. So I've got a lot of questions about sleep apnea and, you know, do you snore? Would you like to hear more? And so it's nice to be able to just see those answers real quick, like. Yeah, and and for, then, for our listeners that don't know what Enlive is, E-N-L-I-V-E, uh, it's a, basically an iPad-only app that allows your patients to fill out their forms and consents and things, and it'll directly put those into your practice management software. And they've been they've been great to work with. We've had we had a few glitches here and there where it's not connecting with our yeah, our network. That, that's what the challenge we're having right now in our practice with it. So yeah, I don't know if that's something that they're working on on their end. I know they were working on it today, and then it was back up. But I just think it's nice. You know, does it add uh, financial benefit to my practice? I don't know. But I hear patients say, oh, I well, I, can tell you I what love it, how welcoming it is. It does and add how financial easy. benefit to your practice because your team members aren't scanning stuff in all the time. Well, that's true. So, yeah. And, you know, and it creates a, you know, it creates a little bit more, uh, it allows your team to focus on more important things, quite frankly. Right. They can take a picture of their medical insurance, their dental insurance. They can only they can even take their selfie if they want to. Yeah. So we we don't have to take their photo. But I think that's a neat thing. We're using revenue well now at at your suggestion, so we can do some targeted um, marketing for our patient base that we've identified as needing certain services, and uh, patients really like the convenience of that. Yeah, it's interesting how many patients could uh, connect or contact us through that, uh, you know, requesting appointments and things like that. Uh, It's it's quite interesting how many people do that. Yeah, I find that people, a lot of people these days, and I'm turning into one of them. We just don't like to pick up the phone. If we can type or or send a message, it's so much easier. And then for us, if we're in between appointments. I don't like to play phone tag. So it's so much easier just to send a message. And I think our patients appreciate 
being able to have a message instead of somebody call and interrupt their day with a phone call saying, you know, or just, you, you just made me think about something. Uh, I refuse to work with specialists now that don't text or email. Yeah, I agree. I, I get it. There's something about talking to people. There's something so customer service. But listen, I'm past that. I have a relationship with you. I give you the greatest yeah. relationship because I trust my patients with you, you know, and I trust my reputation with you that I, I don't want to get on the phone and talk to you unless it's absolutely necessary. Just give me, I like, I have this one periodontist I work with and he'll send me, he sends me an email saying, please call me to talk about a patient. And I no. call him and he, it's just telling me that the tape, tooth can't be saved. I'm like, dude, you could have told me that on an email yeah. and I could oh, have I avoided this like dreading calling people. Oh, I agree. Because they don't have time either. You know, I don't want to have to pull them away from a patient for them to, you know, tell me all about a case they just did for a patient of mine when I could have either read it in a letter or like you said, a text. So that drives me nuts a little bit. And and I'd love to see us have a little bit more interoperability between practices uh, when we're sending patients back and forth. But I don't want to get on that soapbox. (laughs) So we're coming towards the end, and I have a couple of last questions for you. Where does Dana Blaylock want to be five to ten years from now? What do you want to be doing? I want to just be doing sleep. Okay. So what would it take to get there? More of what I'm doing right now. Um, would you say I, you're on your way to doing that? I am getting there. I'm, I'm planting a lot of seeds. I joined an organization, the International Academy of Sleep, in January. And so what that means, it, it helps sort of help us network with physicians so that we can help screen their patients. We can actually put someone in their office and we screen their patients and then they, we do the home sleep test. And those that have mild or moderate sleep apnea, of course, according to the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, they should have appliances. So I'm, I'm, I'm working with getting all that word out to a lot of the physicians and the sleep labs and different organizations. So I'm hoping that all this groundwork that I'm laying and working on will allow me to do that in five years or preferably two. Because, you know, and and here's where that comes from kind of is um, at the end of the day, we have a certain amount of revenue that we, or income that we need to produce. And whether we produce that seeing one patient or two patients or whatever it may be, um, you know, it, it's irrelevant. And uh, so right. to me, the key is um, the key is being able to figure out what that number is. Right. And the least number of patients to get there, quite frankly. Oh, I agree. I would rather do one appliance than 10 fillings or something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Any what day. it works out to be. Yeah. I after we got back from your course, I said to my assistant, because she was there with me, and I said, well, because we took impressions for a patient right away, I said, isn't this a lot easier than doing 10 fillings? Oh, yeah. And she said, oh, definitely. So, you know, she's kind of there with me. So, so that's good to have some team members on board with that thought. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, I, I wish you luck in that. I think that's a great uh, goal to have. And you're obviously doing many of the right things on the way. And, oh, you know what? I just thought about something. So you've been in dentistry 30 years now, 32 years. 32 years, yes. How many de- How many women, how many females were in your dental school class? I believe when I was at UMKC, we had 
we had like 330 in our class and there were 19 females. There were 330 people in your class? Yes, it was huge. Each class was huge. And then they started cutting, I think about six years after I graduated, the class sizes were cut yeah, significantly. We were, about, we were less than 100 when I was there. Yeah, it was it was huge. So you had 19 females out of 300, let's call it out of 300 people. So yes. you're talking about 6%. Yes. And you know, and today it's 52%. That's what I hear. And it's, you know, here in Charleston, we have the medical university. And, and so I've, I've gone to the school a few times. And, and it's just so refreshing to see that many females. But I know that it seems like more of the females don't practice full time when they get out. And, um, you know, as I say, more power to them. I, part of me thinks, gosh, you know, that would have been easy, but, um, it's, it, it's good to see that, I guess. Yeah. They let us vote now too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we didn't need no. to go there. Okay. No, I know. I know. No, I, I've never felt uh, discriminated against or anything because I was a female. I've, I mean, for crying out loud, I was in dental school. I was in the U.S. Navy. I was definitely a minority there as, as far as being a female, not only a female in the Navy, but a female dental officer. So I've always been treated very well. Well, I got to tell you, you look great to be 32 years in dentistry. But it well, helps, thank you. But it helps <laughs> that uh, you started when you were 10. That's so, right. That's so. right. Well, Dana, I want to thank you so much uh, for being on our show and providing so much wonderful insight. Uh, and, and just being yourself. Uh, for anybody that would like to get in touch with Dana, it's Dr. Dana Blaylock, and it's danielislandsmiles at gmail.com. Dana, thank That's, you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.